Hello and welcome to 10,000 Posts. It's a show about how everything is posting. Uh, my name is Hussein. Uh, you can follow me at hkizvani on twitter.com. I talk a lot about uh, digital anthropology and uh, weird and dumb stuff I find on the internet. I'm your host, Phoebe Roy. You can follow me on Twitter at prhroy. Uh, I talk about walruses mainly. <laughs> no, that's, uh, my, that's my post that's my posting yeah it's it. better you should follow you like i feel like walrus posts are better um than the stuff that i do i'm gonna like pivot to birds at some point um just like i'm not quite ready for that just yet uh before we get into the main show just a reminder but we have a lot of great episodes on patreon including those researching and working in fields at the cutting edge uh of critical analysis of digital cultures and futures. You can find that on patreon.com forward slash 10k postpod. You can listen to all this and more for as little as five bucks a month. And all those links are available in the show notes as well. Okay, so this week we are doing a film episode. We haven't done a film episode for a minute. And uh, basically, uh, as promised, uh, because I made you watch anime for so long, uh, you got to choose what we got to watch uh, this time, Phoebe. Uh, and we watched a 1998 film called Enemy of the State. Um, I think we were talking about it a little bit when Annie came on um, mm -hmm. a while back. Uh, Annie couldn't join us uh, today, but we still wanted to watch the film anyway. Um, before we get started uh, to talk about this film, um, uh, Phoebe, why don't you tell us why you chose this film, what you thought, uh, yeah, what, why, why you recommended it, um, and was it just the case that um, you just kind of, uh, that, well, you to see like a kind of like endearing Will Smith. Uh, yeah, well, I am engaged in the process of rehabilitating Will Smith. <laughs> that's my, that's my whole job now. I also, I also No one talks about, about the slap anymore. It's like a side point, but no one really talks about it anymore, which like I think is interesting in and of itself as phenomena. But anyway, please continue. I think it was a confected media cycle, which was ginned up by lots of people posting about it. That's what I think. I don't think anyone actually cared in the way that they pretended they cared. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like he's banned from like the Oscars for what, five years, right? Something like that. Like some like ridiculous amount of time. Um, Sorry, he's banned from the Oscars. Yeah, or like uh, something happened, like something that was like I felt when I saw the news, I was like, okay, this is a bit much to like give him, uh, like for like what was effectively just like some kind of concocted media hype, and like clearly someone who like and cl or clearly a situation that was like quite emotionally like you know dis like distressing to see. I I don't know. I mean, I didn't really have but like a take on it generally, um, mm. but I did feel like the punishment that he got, and I do think that he was he was banned from the Oscars for like a few years at least and i think that he was taken um he he was removed from the academy um yeah i felt it was disproportionate i don't know people don't care about personal moral depravity they care about they care about the the public face of institutions i think oh interesting that could be well, like a theme of this film right? it could be it could be the could be the theme of this film i don't know like um, was it was it uh, Casey Affleck who had numerous credible allegations against him, and he and he kept his Oscar? There are lots and lots of people who have been honoured by the Academy who who have multiple industry wide credible allegations yeah. against them, and they don't seem to have been banned from any. Yeah, and this kind of ceremony. yeah, and this did come up like when the punishment happened. Uh, or like when he went like in the aftermath of the slap, I think it was like he was given what I think was a disproportionate punishment, but also like one that was done quite rapidly. 
in part because the cycle was so fast and after that period of time like it was the thing that everyone or like it felt as if like everyone was talking about it i didn't think in reality that was the case but it definitely was one of those periods that and i, I don't know we spoke about this on the show i remember mm-hmm. and, I just, and i can't remember exactly like the details but it felt like it was one of those moments that um didn't feel very real because it felt almost like a throwback to um like the mid 2010s when like mm. you know the Oscars were something that people would kind of like and like you know media outlets and stuff would pay attention to and it would kind of generate like lots of kind of think pieces and you know all that stuff things that like I don't think are necessarily as prevalent anymore but um there is still kind of yeah I don't know there's, there's this begrudging need to kind of be like yeah, these events are important and they matter. And yeah, I don't know. These, these thoughts aren't necessarily coherent. I didn't think like, we'd be talking about this. Today, no, but... no, no, no. There's, there's absolutely no reason to talk about it. I thought the whole, I thought the whole thing was insane and ridiculous. I was just gonna say Will Smith was quite good in this. That's he all. is good. He is good in this. And also, I think, I think people, I think people forget as well because they're just so used to like Will Smith. Like now, they, I think mm. they forget what a kind of incredibly nice face he used to have. He had this like, like really, really beautiful beautiful face yeah he's a good looking guy he's a good look he's a good looking I still boy think he's a good looking guy but you know, I know he's like he's like he's he's a good looking guy but in like an aging kind of way but this like kind of like kind yeah. of angelic beauty i think people kind of forget about not that it's the subject of the film particularly no um, the reason the reason i chose it was because uh it's not a film about it's not a film about posting um it's not even really especially a film about being uh, about being online, but it is a film about it is a film about the impossibility of uh, digital and networked surveillance being used for the good of a society, and it is and it is reflected in uh, in the story of this very of this normal decent lawyer. And again, like, and this is something I want to talk about quite a lot. The politics of the film are. I think relatively explicit, and I think they are the closest that Hollywood has ever produced to uh, has ever got to making a making a left wing film. And obviously, that's a very, 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 very low bar because most films about um, the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, etc., are like not just not just not just right wing in both their uh, in both their affect and uh, and mm. sort of explicitly stated kind of ethos and goals, but they're kind of like if you like if you like break down the politics of like even of like if, like the like the mo- like the most enjoyable action films, they are they are fucked up beyond all possible belief, and that's why it doesn't matter because they're action films. And okay, <laughs> I think that popular culture plays an important part in uh shaping people's understanding of the world around them and uh of the politics of the world around them and i don't like eye roll if someone sort of says well like 24 that's the example that people always come up with like that's like that like that like kind of softens people up to manufacture consent for getting information under torture like it's a it's a kind of torturous document and like that, like that's, that's, that's true. That's like a true thing. You can't, you can't really dismiss it. And I think what is weird is when people don't feel capable of just saying, look, I know it's morally bankrupt, but I find it enjoyable and therefore I don't care. And I mm. think that's fine. I think that's sort of a fine 
thing to just admit to yourself. I don't think you have to kind of pretend that the popular culture has no effect on the cultural imagination of the people who consume it. Because if because if that was if that were true, then what's then what's the point of what's the point of culture? Like people make things because they want people to react and respond to it. They don't just want people to just like sit and kind of like absorb it like you're sitting in front of a tank of jellyfish. Like <laughs> it's like it's for something. It has like a meaning. It has a goal. And if you are looking at the looking at the culture which is produced by the imperial core it that also means something it's part of its it's part of its apparatus it's part of its apparatus of uh self-legitimization and of dissemination like that's partly partly mm. what it's for it's you can't you can't say with any with any kind of straight face oh well it's just entertainment because there is no such thing as just entertainment just like there's no such thing as just spectacle spectacle has a meaning mm. anyway uh either like this is the thing like fi- like fine if you're just like a kind of you're a cultural nihilist and you think and you think like nothing has any meaning fine that's that's up to you that's that's but at least that's a coherent ideology it's an insane ideology but it is coherent um and the reason that i think this film is quite explicit in its politics and we'll go into this is that it's very, very explicit that that it's not just uh, one horrible guy who is um, who is a kind of bad apple figure, and once you cut out the rot, then the then the kind of the moral integrity of the NSA kind of stands unassailed, because that's not that's not what the film is saying at all. And in the and in the closing credits, it's made very explicit that. The surveillance is going to carry is going to carry on happening because there's a kind of pull out shot of all of the of like all of the CCTV cameras and all of the like mm. all of the satellites kind of you know like one after the other one after the other one after the other and it's also very explicit in the fact that the film's bad guy comes up with uh, the justifications of uh, intensified surveillance. Mm. It, 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 he offers it as um as as a kind of sop for what he for what he's doing and how he's behaving uh and it's sort of not clear whether or not this is something that he actually truly truly believes or whether he or whether he's just uh engaging in kind of uh cynical fear exploitation but he is he is using the uh all of the incredible capacities of the security state in order to ruin this one man's life because he happens to have video evidence of him committing a murder. And the mm. reason that he commits the murder in the first place is because the guy he murders is going to stamp on his, uh, on his expanded security state bill. It's a kind of prefigured patriot act and he kills this guy in cold blood and he is recorded doing so so again we have some we have like a very very explicit uh explicit binary being set up which is the legitimate uh legitimate uh, and for the purposes of the preservation of of 
the liberty of the population uh, recording of state actors. And admittedly, mm. the, because the film gets, the film, the, the recording gets made accidentally, but as soon as the guy who makes the film sees it, he thinks that it should be made public. He thinks it's in the public interest for people to see the fact that this congressman commits murder in order to force through his despicable bill. Mm. And that is explicitly set against this one bad guy with his, this one bad team uh, making, making use of the security state in order to keep his crimes secret. And this can be extrapolated out and projected out on the way that the security state treats whistleblowers and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, so it's, so I think it's quite explicitly, um, I, I would probably say it's sort of more left libertarian than, than, than much else. And I, in a way, think it's a shame that um, some of the principles of libertarianism have been kind of subsumed into, um, into kind of right wing creep thought. I think that's like I think that's a shame because mm. um one of the things that we that we've sort of talked about before is uh how uh people being concerned about like CCTV like sort of you know sort of 20 30 years ago were sort of treated as cranks but they were they they were all they were left wing libertarians that's what like, that's what they were um, or rather that's the sort of the best way of describing them. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what that's that's the kind of organizing political core of the film. And also it's also significant. Well, it's significant that it's a film about the NSA, which is not just propaganda. That's significant. And it sort of stands alone in that. It's significant that Will Smith is playing a labor lawyer uh, mm. who is like who is up against the mob in order to like try to protect his union official clients again. Like that's like that's like explicitly there in the text. Like he's not like just like a corporate lawyer. Um, And also the guy who Will Smith is friends with, who makes the film of the murder um, is a, is he's, well, he's a, he's a, he's like a, he's like a bird watcher. He's like, he is again, (laughs) he is explicitly just like such a nice, wholesome, innocent guy who again is, if not, actively murdered but driven driven to his violent death by the by these state actors and he is and he is friends with a uh again an, an explicitly left-wing activist who kind of publishes this sort of marxist newsletter who is who is known to this who is known to the security state who is known to who is known to government because he's sort of deemed to be a kind of an instigator and and it's it's all very kind of you know committee for un-american affairs mm. but those two people are presented in pretty much the only uncomplicated light in the entire film these two left-wing guys who get hold of this proof that government government officials are going to be using the expanded security state to cover up their crimes and they are going to make this public and they are and they are murdered for it by the state and i don't think you could get any clearer in the in like the film's kind of political intention and meaning by that 
because they're like they're, they're pretty much the only two like just nice characters. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, I kind of, I guess, like the way to understand or like the way to kind of think about this film first of all is, and you mentioned this like just off just off mic. Uh, Tony Scott, who's a British, who was a British like director who directed Top Gun. Most people know him for directing Top Gun. Also directed Man on Fire, uh, True Romance, uh, Deja Vu, um, a couple of others. With the, like, there's a lot of like Denzel Washington in his uh, in his back with his back catalog. Um, I did not know that he directed Prometheus. That's very interesting. Um, but you mentioned that it was interesting that like there's a Brit that this was a British director who. Yeah. Uh, who uh, made this film. And I wanted to ask you uh, to expand on that a bit because I thought that was an interesting way to look into it. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about, about Tony Scott's uh, personal politics. And also there's not, there's not really kind of much evidence of, uh, of kind of secret left wingism in, right. in kind of the rest, unlike the rest of his, the rest of his corpus, like, um, like Top Gun is, I mean, like honestly, like if you think, like if you think about top, if you think about Top Gun being directed by a British director, there's something almost like deliberately sarcastic and cartoonish <laughs> in in how kind of hot guys in the navy it is. Yeah. Um. But I suppose that's a sort of probably a conversation conversation for another day. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know much about his much about his personal personal politics, or if indeed. Yeah. Um. If indeed this this sort of is known, but I just think I just think it's interesting that I just can't imagine, um, I just can't imagine an American director, um, American director coming out uh, coming yeah. out of this film, uh, if only because, um. Like again, like it sounds like sort of very paranoid to say, like because American directors are brainwashed. American doctor, American directors are paid by the CIA. I don't think American directors are paid by the CIA, but there's definitely, there is definitely like, there's definitely, I think, relatively observable evidence of, um, of there some of there being some intertext between yeah, the, structure, well also, the structure of government well, and yeah, and the yeah. film industry. Well, also like on a very sort of like overt level, um. Like when it comes, like Marvel, you know, it's, it's very well documented that like Marvel films like have to have like very good relationships with like the U.S. military and like you know to the point where like even scripts are still kind of like approved of. Uh, whenever they're sort of like mentioning like you know in uh, military access, police access, um, so yeah, it's like very you know it, I think at that point it becomes like very obvious that like yeah you have like when uh these like very American products do involve like you know the forces of that kind of. Uh, enforce the security state of the uh, of the US. And um, what was interesting when I watched uh, this film, like as you mentioned, is like yeah, the kind of critique of the NSA, even though it's kind of not, it's not like as in your face as you might expect from like a director or a, even a writer who's like left wing credentials or leftist like even activist credentials even libertarian credentials were like very you know like worn on their sleeve right mm. but it's very it, it's not to say that it's subtle either but rather it's very you know it's very much it, it was it was it's refreshing to kind of um it, it's refreshing to sort of like depart from the whole like 
cop uh cop film or like cop tv show phenomena of like oh it's just like a few bad apples and mm. um now the lapd can go back to like being good guys the nypd can do the same thing um which is not to necessarily say that like the conclusion of this film is one of you know that kind of uh just sort of concludes that you know these institutions are like irredeemable because crucially like i think um, and there were lots of similarities both in aesthetic and in terms of messaging that i found in hackers as well mm. um so you remember like in the last scene of hackers where like you know the hackers uh <laughs> like they um they reveal like you know they re- they reveal the um uh the the scale of surveillance and the scale of uh piracy being conducted by the kind of corporation that they're fighting against who is trying to like incriminate them and send them all to prison and so on and like deport like some of them as well um and they do so by revealing like you know it's overreach to the police and also like changing all their grades so they can kind of do like you know um cyber security programs at, like stanford and stuff in this film um from what i understand uh a similar situation happens where the FBI are informed of like, you know, the NSA's overreach while they're sort of like fighting with like, the, you know, the restaurant mobsters. Mm. Um, I, which is, I, yeah. Honestly, that is, I don't think that's quite correct as a reading. I think, I think the institutions in this film are represented as either irredeemable or bungling to the point of uselessness. Yeah. Like well, the, Yes, like at no point actually are either the cops or the FBI brought in in order to um, in order to free himself from this um, from from this trap. Uh, Will Smith plays his two enemies off against each other, which leads to this kind of mob versus NSA shootout where everyone is killed. and the FBI have been monitoring the mob all the way all the way through, and ah, at the okay. end they are they are questioning uh, they are questioning John Voight, who plays the NSA bad guy. They're questioning his team, um, who are all sort of claiming that they didn't really know what they were doing, and and they all treat it's so interesting as well because the team of the engineers, like the kind of the, like the nerds, uh, who sort of follow orders uh, because they don't. They don't necessarily understand what it is they're being asked to do, but they will. But they, but they, but they do as they're told, and they treat it. Uh, they treat it like a video game. They treat it like they're watching yeah. a kind of interactive TV show. They have no thought uh, or no visible thought for the fact that this is um, a, an innocent man whose life, whose life they're ruining. So the FBI uh, get involved when it's this clear and obvious fuck up. The, the 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 director of the NSA has been shot in the head by a mob boss in like in a like in the basement of a restaurant. Like, how did this mm. happen? Like, what what how did how did this how did this op, which uh, was being sold apparently to the team of uh, the team of um, the team of surveillance experts? How has that how has that been um, uh, been passed off as a kind of standard standard training op, like a kind of war game? Um, and the only, and the reason that the, that the FBI go in in the first place and manage to haul everyone off is because Gene Hackman dresses as a police officer, so it looks like the mob mm. kidnapped a city cop. So what happens is they manage to like bring in 
um, bring in a kind of a weighted institution on their side by mm. tricking them. It's yeah. not because they're the good guys who kind of fly in at the end. They like the FBI are incompetent and the NSA are evil. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably like the best. That's like the, that's like the proper analysis. Um, yeah, yeah. I uh, this definitely like something that I kind of like. I was because I think like during the during that sort of like mob scene where he's like like bringing the standoff and stuff because of like the pacing of this film as well. And I I don't know a lot of the action scenes in this film, and there are like quite a few of them. Like the pacing is just like really really fast. Mm -hmm. Um, so it can be difficult to sort of like keep track with like you know what players are sort of going in, especially when you sort of have the end scene where you have like all basically all the characters that you've kind of been introduced to throughout the film, like coming together in like one place. But mm. yeah, I think you're right in the said like the, the kind of fundamental difference, like with hackers, it's very much like the idea that like the police or like the FBI or whatever are still kind of like considered to be like the kind of good institution that you just report the bad institution to. Yeah, or like, Whereas, cer yeah. like certainly good enough. Like because yeah. in hackers, it's, it's it's not an institution, it's a corporation. Right. And, yeah. Uh, so the, the, yeah, the institutions are actually yeah right. And there are um, they do they do draw an ex, an explicit distinction between between uh, between those two between those two things, and uh, in hackers, uh, the police and the FBI are a bad institution only insofar as they are being ranged against people who happen to be innocent who are being framed. But right. were they being ranged against people who had done something wrong, then they become the good guys again. And yeah. again, they make it relatively explicit that there's not really any way for them to be the good guy because the because uh, Will Smith's wife in it, who is interested in uh, prevent, who's interested in civil liberties, interested in preventing the expansion of surveillance. Who's also a lawyer in some respect, but she. Does, but I don't think it's clear what kind of lawyer she is. No, I didn't even pick up that she was. It's just uh, because it's just because they say that they met, uh, they went to law school together. Right, so okay, I assume yeah. that she's supposed to be a lawyer now. Um, and they show her like wearing a suit in the kitchen, which is like that's code. Yeah, law, law, that's, it's like that's what lawyers wear. Code. Lawyers yeah. wear that. Yeah, lawyers, lawyers wear suits. Everyone knows this. Um, and she's presumably not supposed to work in government because she's very very critical of the government. And yeah. she says, she says explicitly, okay, well, so they're going to put in more monitoring to make sure that this expanded security apparatus, which is now, because the bill has gone through. This is what's so, this is why it's like, this is why it's actually got this very grim ending is that this terrible, these terrible events has actually worked in favor of the evil NSA director because the bill has been passed. Mm. And they've said, so... So it couldn't have worked. It couldn't have worked out better for the bad guy, because it because then the circumstances of his death are then used as um, as reasoning by his kind of allies in government uh, for there being good reason to kind of push forward this kind of expanded so-called intelligence gathering project, and because that's like explicitly there, like the wife then says, okay, so they're putting in monitoring in place. Then who monitors the monitors? Who monitors the monitors the monitors? And like, this is mm. like, this feels at this point like a relatively kind of hackneyed, um, hackneyed observation. But remember, this is like, this is like getting on for 30 years ago, this film was out. And 
all other films about these kinds of agencies are explicitly pro. And yeah. they are explicitly pro the idea that um, that intelligence gathering keeps people safe and personal liberty is a reasonable yeah. is a reasonable price to pay. So there's some histor- yeah, there's some historical and, context and the, uh, to yeah, come yeah. And the and and this film says no, it is not because mm. government is just is just like the mob. Again, it said like this is explicit in its comparison. Government is like the mob. It's full of bad people and you cannot give that kind of power to bad people because there is no way of them using it using it well. And again, uh, John Voigt says, um, uh, he says something along the lines of, oh, there are people in America who hate America and we've got to keep an eye on them to keep Americans safe. And it is so, so similar to the Patriot Act rhetoric. Mm. Like, so similar. And it was observed at the time that it was uh, that it was a that it was a prescient film, and like the thing that the thing that sort of doesn't doesn't really kind of hold up on a kind of, on the kind of prescient front is the kind of the the practical mechanics of what was actually possible to do in 1998 in terms of yeah like how quickly they get all the files up, like how quickly they get like different cameras on him, but the fact that they are able to tap into every single piece of both kind of tangible and intangible apparatus to follow him. And he says it explicitly. John Voigt says it explicitly. He says, the way that we destroy this man who will go public with this tape, who will go public with this evidence of us murdering, uh, murdering somebody in order to get our bill through, um, is we have to destroy his credibility. And this is so similar to the treatment of whistleblowers now and in the intervening years, I don't, I don't think this film could have been made even three years later. No. I don't think it would have been made. I think it would have yeah. been explicitly prevented. And that's quite, yeah. and that's quite, that's quite something for, uh, for a, again, for a Hollywood action film. Yeah. I think one of the things I found interesting when I was like researching some of the historical context behind this is that like there's a very small window in which like a film like this could have been made. Um, because obviously, like in 2001, you had 9/11, um, in like, uh, and then before then, you also had the Cold War. So you had this very, you had this period of time where the NSA, like, and the period of time in which this film was made, where at least according to like some of the essays that I read uh, before we came on, um, there was a situation where like the NSA didn't really know what it was doing or what it was supposed to be for. The U.S. government had uh, cut its funding. Uh, quite significantly mm-hmm. uh, and they were like really pissed off about this um, and basically like there are lots of kind of like newspaper clippings which uh, in which like various NSA like directors and like managers or like whatever you call them were like you know um, they, they just like can show like complete contempt for like uh, uh, the Clinton administration and the Democrats generally uh, they're talking about how like you know the US is facing threats that like they don't even know about but they don't really go into the specifics about it um, but like the kind of convention at the time, at least from like what the what the um, NYT clippings were suggesting, was that even the US government didn't really know what the NSA was going, like what the use of the NSA was at this point. Mm. Um, and all the NSA was saying were just like, oh, there are these sort of like secret and shadowy threats, which it could then use to like justify like post. 
post 9-11, they could then kind of go to the US government and be like, oh, we were right this whole time and you never listened to us. And now you've got to give us like loads of money so that we can develop all this technology to fight these new phantoms that we weren't really sure like existed when we were talking about it to begin with. So you have this like kind of very amusing, like this slightly amusing sort of like departmental Washington issue in which the time like this is being made during that time also um uh there were like at least like four different uh successful um uh successful like hacking uh attempts at the nsa including mm. one where uh hackers were able to sort of like uh shut down the entire thing and just like render it to a complete blackout for like three or four hours um which was like very embarrassing for the nsa at the time as well um they like said that this was down to like, you know, budget cuts and like, you know, not having enough money to like fight hackers and the government not taking hackers very seriously. Um, but the reality, well, like what seemed to be more of the reality was that they just like had no idea like how to kind of like combat these, like the, the threat of like uh, more accessible public computers. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, and it is interesting because like, I dug up some art, some articles from around the time uh, where the new, uh, who was it? Uh, it was Michael Hayden, who uh, was the it was the former NSA, the former NSA chief now, um, but he was prom- he was uh, promoted to the head of the agency as the movie came out, and he was and he was worried about it mm. about it creating uh, the public uh, the public perception of the NSA um, the NSA as this kind of evil institution and uh he told and he told he told cnn like he said this like in public like again like you don't normally don't normally hear these people like just just announcing this kind of thing um i made the judgment that we couldn't survive with the popular impression of this agency being formed by the last will smith movie it has to be somewhat a secretive agency and right in the middle of a political culture that just trusts two things most of all power and secrecy that's a challenge for us. And that's why, frankly, we're trying to explain what it is we do for America, how it is we follow the law. Uh, could there be abuses? Of course. Would there be? I'm looking you and the American people in the eye and saying, no, there are not. And that's. And that mm. is that is an unusual level of. Rattled by a kind of by a popular by like a, by like a kind of popular action yeah. film because it would have been easy enough just to say well yeah but like this is this is fiction and not only do we not do that we can't do that yeah we don't have this capability it's like it's fantasy you might as well be watching star wars um but again when gene hackman's character comes in and because this is supposed to be i assume it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a kind of a nod to gene hackman's earlier role in the conversation which i don't know if you've ever seen it uh, no, I haven't. It's really good. The conversation. It's um, it's a seventies film. I think it might. I think it might be a Francis Ford Coppola. The conversation. I'll add it to my list. Add it to your list. Um, it's about it's about this, um, this surveillance expert who is, um, who is obsessed with his own privacy and guards it really, really carefully, and kind of lives in this kind of weird bear apartment, and. There's all this stuff about how he just how he has decided that like the tapes that he makes on behalf of clients is like a kind of morally neutral act, and then he discovers through the course of the film that actually it's not a morally neutral act at all. Um, 
And so I think it's, yeah, I think him like living in his like, his like Faraday cage and stuff. I think that's supposed to be a kind of a, a not, I say, I think it's supposed to be, I think it almost mm. like explicitly is. But he says when he's talking about the, the kind of systems that he has been developing and the capabilities that this agency has, he says, uh, you're on the phone to your wife, you say key words. And one of the key words is Allah, which yeah, flag yeah, the yeah. phone call and he says and this was 20 years ago indicating that there's been like these incredible technological leaps in the interim and it may be between 1978 and 1998 there hasn't been that much of like that much technological development but between 1998 and now there has been an incredible level of development mm-hmm. and the same and the same uh the same kind of binary opposites like still like still exist but have been like have been sharpened like the only way that ordinary people can hope to uh have any kind of um i say influence influence isn't even the right word uh if ordinary people want to hold the apparatus of state power and the apparatus of corporate power to any kind of um, accountability they have to take on these kind of small scale monitoring and recording projects themselves mm. uh, it's the, it's the it, so so for so for example it's the only way it's the only way to um to uh make public how uh, how policing operates like mu- like much more so in the US than than here but but like but here but like here as well and there's been like a, there's been a lot of um very very troubling and very alarming stuff about um about the about the school shooting in texas mm. uh where it has been proven repeatedly that the the law enforcement have lied and lied and lied and lied about what went on that day and the only way that these lies have been exposed is because of ordinary people using te- using the technology that actually they are not supposed to be using for this purpose they are yeah. they are according to the use case they are misusing this technology which is outrageous and ridiculous but that's not what it's meant to be for it's not meant to be for preserving uh personal li- personal liberty it's not supposed to be for keeping ordinary people safe from the from the mecha- like the mechanisms of power it's supposed to be uh, it's supposed to be to keep an eye on to keep an eye on us, but it's the only it's the only response. It's the only like it's the only possible response, and even that doesn't have any effect because the because the institutions still have to decide to do something with the material that's been recorded. It's mm. just it's just the only thing that is that is like capable of causing a kind of widespread erosion of like public trust, and that is again that is like an ex- that's an explicit contradiction of this film that that they know that they are in deep deep trouble if this video makes it into the public domain so that is why they don't just they don't just like set out to kill robert because they know that once this video is in the public domain regardless of what happens um they'll uh regardless of what happens they're still they're still fucked so that's why they need to uh, they need to create this smear campaign and this is why they frame him for 
Uh, they frame him for the death of his ex-girlfriend, which again is another like is another murder that the government commits literally without thinking about it. And this mm. will have been very shocking, I think, for American audiences because I think that the I suspect that the average person doesn't spend an awful lot of time thinking about how uh, uh, agencies which set themselves up as just intelligence gathering agencies, that's all they do. They're just gathering intelligence and they're not doing anything with the intelligence. They don't mean to do anything with the intelligence. The intelligence has no uh, moral quality at all. It's all just neutral. It's just neutral gathering and it's to keep Americans safe and it is to advance American interest across the globe in a fine and normal and good way. I don't think a lot of people think about American activities in Laos or uh, uh, or Nicaragua or any of the other places or Afghanistan even like any of the other places in the world that American agencies have uh, interfered and caused death and destruction. Mm. But the idea of it being turned on American people is something which is still very, very shocking. And one does not want to go too deep into, into uh, the extremely successful, uh, extremely successful institutional uh, credibility destruction campaign around, say, 9-11. But yeah. there, are, there are parallels and it's, and it's and it's again it's it's not it's not it's not meaningless uh like it's like it's true that like culture generates politics in a way that maybe shouldn't be the case but then again i'm not necessarily sure that uh politics should be quite such a generative force in culture but there is an interplay and there and there are reflections and there are contradictions i mean in terms of the stuff with his ex-girlfriend, that's stupid. That is a stupid subplot. There is absolutely <laughs> no reason whatsoever for him to have had an affair with this woman. Um, it, it, she could just be somebody that she could just be somebody that he used to date. There's, there's no reason for that, and the only real reason for that uh, that they put that in is so that his so that his credibility is destroyed with his wife, uh, destroyed with his wife as well. But seeing as his wife has been established repeatedly as being somebody who is very, very critical of the expansion of the security state. And then her husband, who is a labor lawyer, who after all, from time to time, must come under the attention of the apparatus of state, says, okay, so the government are after me. They're trying to kill me because there's a tape. I don't know what's on it, but like, there's something which they don't want in the public domain. It doesn't make any sense that her response is to start like freaking out because he's talking to his ex. Like it's a really, really weird reaction and it makes absolutely <laughs> no sense given how they've established the character. And also when he says like, can you just like get out of town and like, you know, take the kid and like, you know, go be safe. And she just sort of says, no, I'm not doing that. And it's like, what, why wouldn't you do that? Why why yeah. would you not was, trust yeah, him about was, this? I mean, fundamentally, it's also just about like, you know, this is a film of its time in the degree that like um, his wife largely exists for him. So at the beginning, when the wife has been established as like someone who is critical of uh, like the NSA and critical of like this new bill. And yeah, in a way that like actually was like quite interesting to watch, um, you know, because uh, I wasn't I wasn't really kind of 
aware of like how you know we we have a fascination of like you know uh how so how people kind of reacted to the advent of like accessible like internet access and accessible computers and stuff like that and it was interesting to have like that people were sort of having those conversations in ways that feel very prescient now but the way that she was sort of saying things to me, it kind of felt like, oh, he, she's saying these words so that he can then, so that, so that we as the audience sort of know that he's actually quite chill or seemingly much more chill with like the surveillance aspect of the bill. Not that he's like an ardent supporter of it, but I think there are lines like near the beginning of the film where he's just like, it, it's, it, it's, it appeals to something along the lines of like, well, if you've got nothing to like hide, you have nothing to fear. Like it, it seems like his mm. kind of worry about the, the the kind of surveillance apparatus is far less than hers. Yeah. Um. And obviously, over over the over the time of the film, when he gets thrown into this like conspiracy, because again, like, um, the guy, uh, the 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 very fun, the the endearing like sort of hackerish guy who gets, uh, the the bird watching guy, I guess, like who gets the videotape in the first place, like, you know, he doesn't kind of give. I don't think he gives it to the Will Smith like lawyer character because he's just like you're the only person who can do this, like. The Will Smith character gets this tape by accident while oh, yeah, no, he's it's, compl- it's completely by accident. Yeah, <laughs> while, while he's shopping in like um, a lingerie store. Again, something that I just like found incredibly funny. Like in the in in relation to that entire scene where like we see this guy like running away uh, from the police, like in this kind of very is and I, I kind I I know that like we don't have we don't really have time to sort of like go through the film scene by scene, but I thought like the the initial chase scene with the bird watching guy was quite. Um, well, not only was it like a class, like I haven't seen like an action film, like, uh, uh, scene like that for a while. Mm. Um, but it was just like so chaotic in the sense of like, he looks sort of like he goes from his bedroom and climbs up the roof, but he somehow like, you know, he he gets his like bicycle, like he kind of goes going through all these stores. He happens to find the Will Smith character in like the weirdest of places. Um, the Will Smith character like knows him um the like knows him from like the college days at georgetown and one of the scenes i found very funny and i wrote some notes which was just like i I found it very funny when will smith gives him the business card Um, yeah that that is funny just like while while this whole chase happens and then the chase like sadly ends with like the bird watcher being hit by a truck um but during the whole time that the, the like that during the whole time that um he's being chased by like the NSA and the security services um he's also uh the, the the security services have people in their ears sort of telling telling them like oh he's gone down this road or he's over here like mm. and this is kind of like when i was looking at that scene i thought it was really interesting because number one as you mentioned like this is technology that doesn't exist like in 1998 at the time mm. it's very much like no, ima- like it's very much like forewarning of like imagine if they had like tracking capabilities that were so detailed that they knew exactly what road you were on and like and they would know what road you would take afterwards and everything. Mm. Um, and this is stuff that like you know not to be all black mirror about it, but it's like oh this is like so normal now. But the thing I was thinking about while watching the scene is like just kind of like the whole culture of OSINT that has developed around uh, like on kind of public social media mm-hmm. um, to the point where like a few weeks ago that guy. Um, or you have like these kind of like, you know, viral TikTok guys who, well, who go viral on TikTok because they are able to kind of like deduce someone's exact location from like two bits of information and like access to Google Maps, right? Yeah. So the fact that like this stuff that is deemed to be very complicated and um, invasive technology, but the film is clearly warning us about is now just like something that is publicly accessible. And actually, like for the past few years, especially 
um in like you know in relation to stuff like bellingcat and like other types of like um you know uh these uh Oh, what's like the term for I guess like citizen journalists might be like the right mm. term but like the people who like basically spend a lot of time doing OSINT work um and uh many like and some of whom like have gotten jobs from from like you know uh yeah well, from the NSA and from like you know various DC think tanks based on this work alone just the fact that this is now very much like a normalized part of both online living mm-hmm. but also just like citizen surveillance more broadly yeah, no, no, I like absolutely agree. But I think what's so interesting about it as well is that even in their wildest, most perfect dreams, uh, the NSA of the late 1990s would never have even hoped to have wished for the way in which people have with so much alacrity taken up the responsibility of enacting surveillance on each other. (laughs) I don't think they could ever, they could never have hoped for people just like, just literally just um, filming, filming people in the street and filming Mm. their neighbors and reporting their neighbors and uh, offering and offering up their own, offering up their own data, which is absolutely basically no thought. I think that, of all of their evil planning, they mm. could never have planned for the kind of <laughs> the, yeah. the kind of rank thoughtlessness of like a kind of the, the sort of a population yeah, in, at large, which I yeah. think in some it's, ways, it's, yeah. it's helped them a lot. In, in some ways, I was looking at this film and was like, oh, this was like a much more innocent imagining of like mm. what surveillance technology would look yeah, like because like, because this works in a world where it's like people don't have like access. Well, like you know the the kind of personal computers that they have access to um are ones where they sort of like carry out like you know very basic tasks of living and like as mentioned at the beginning of the film and like also throughout by the nsa guys like you know the the kind of the reason why the nsa are able to like justify having this having this like satellite technology and having all this having all these surveillance tools is because they're sort of convincing themselves they're like oh we're keeping people safe from like phantoms that they don't know about right so like our kind of you know we own this technology for what we perceive to be like noble causes, even if like we do things that are mm. kind of like morally, like, you know, apparent, apparent and like just kind of downright evil. Like mm. that's a kind of justification for it. It becomes a lot more complicated when it is not to say that like, you know, security services definitely have more advanced surveillance technologies than like, you know, civilians do, but mm. how people kind of, the way in which like surveillance is talked about by most like non agency people in this film um, you know, it comes from a place of like real skepticism and real yeah. kind of like, no, this is awful. And like, yeah, it's yeah. quite interesting. It was quite interesting listening to that. because I was thinking about like, obviously the Snowden stuff and just like how, well, even mm-hmm. not even the Snowden stuff, even like when we were talking about um, Eric Garland a few weeks ago and how like, you know, his kind of real sort of ire isn't necessarily for Trump or like the Trump administration, but actually seemingly it's for like Snowden and Chelsea Manning. Mm-hmm. Um, because for him, it's just like, oh no, these people stole like, you know, state secrets and they committed treason and they like put the country in danger and that's like not really any different from like what these nsa guys in the film are saying yeah yeah when they're justifying ruining people's lives yeah yeah and and killing people yes that's too Um, (laughs) but i keep forgetting that yeah they are actually killing people in this film they murder like two people in this (laughs) film um yeah i mean what is what is interesting is that it's it 
it, like you say, it is an innocent imagining of the kind of the possibilities of this sort of world and the possibilities of this kind of technological development because it's saying like, oh my God, what if like an evil, like an evil government or an evil corporation is watching you? And it doesn't go so far uh, into darkness as saying, yeah, but what if people start watching each other? Because mm. I, we, I mean, we've like, we've, we've talked about this before is that, that, that people seem to seem to have seem to have like in a, in a lot of cases have seen the uh the only capacity for uh for keeping for there being any kind of check checks and balances on on sort of state on state power um being you being you know, through the use of these kinds of technology and you know, i would i would i would posit that this is a a, a good use and pro- probably only one of the very very few good uses uh but it that then gets kind of mapped onto uh a, a, a wish to do the same thing with just like kind of ordinary people and it's kind of conceptualized in in sort of much the same way that like filming a person just you know minding their own business in the street is not really that different from filming a cop and i think that there is a difference by an order of magnitude uh but again they don't in the film they don't like in terms of the kind of the, dyst- the dystopian imaginings, they don't go so far as to say, yeah, but also what if, what if you get, you get done because you were in the wrong place at the wrong time and you end up on someone's YouTube channel. Like that's like no one, like no one is like, is suggesting anything, anything of that kind because it, because it's, it's like heightened in terms of like what technology can do. It's heightened and exaggerated because it's an action film. And this is how action films work, but it's not, it's not speculative particularly. It's not kind of what if they could do this? What if they could do that? It's more, okay, well for the purposes of the plot, we need them to be able to do this. So can we just say that they can do that even if they can't, which is not the same. It's not the same thing quite. Um, And I don't know if it meant to be predictive or prescient or even, or even to carry any kind of note of note of warning. I mean, like I said, I do think its politics are quite explicit, but I don't necessarily think that it was meant to be a kind of sounding a kind of warning bell. And particularly since the main character himself is not interested in the contents of the tape being made public. It's only the birdwatcher and his friend with the with the communist newsletter who is yeah. interested in who is interested in the kind of the public interest defense of this I'm, of the, yes. of the tape being made public. Uh, Will Smith's view is I didn't make a copy of the tape. I don't, I, I watched the tape. I don't care what's, I don't care what's on it. I just want my life back. He, so, so I mean, again, like it's not like, it's not perfect in its politics. He does take, and um, he does take a very, um, a very kind of individualist look. The only reason that I, really care about this stuff is because it's being directed at me and not because of its possibilities more broadly it's really only his wife that is worried about the kind of the broader implications and he definitely doesn't take the line actually my life is less important than these people being exposed for what they are which is again in direct contrast with the views of uh, the views of the bird watcher and the guy with the newsletter who you who you have to assume uh you have to assume or understand that they are putting themselves in significant personal risk to publish this, publish this video. And they have determined it to be worth it. And Will Smith does not think it's worth it. Bobby does not think it's worth it. He thinks 
that it's that it's like a really really bad scene and it kind of wakes him up to what his wife has to say about it but he's not interested in the kind of broader implications it doesn't kind of it doesn't spur him to any kind of further action he just wants to go back to his to his life he wants like he wants to take the blue pill he wants to he wants to shut his eyes again that's what he wants to do yeah he's just like this is for him this is just a bad day he's just like oh fuck i can't believe it's just like you know, I'm I'm really fascinated. I was actually very fascinated by the uh the kind of like communist. So the communist character. I don't know if he's actually does he say that he's a communist at any point, or that's how Jack Black. Um. Oh, also interesting. Um, yeah, Jack Black is in this film. Yeah, like, Jack Jack Black, Jamie Kennedy. There is an uncredited performance from Seth Green, who is one of the <laughs> who's one of the engineers, and they're all like it's and it's so nineties. They're all wearing these like kind of yellow lens glasses, and it's yeah. like it's really weird to have this kind of like it's almost like um it's almost like the kind of the like kind of idiot like kind of the idiot kind of trio of stooges in like a shakespearean comedy mm. um like that like they're really out they're really out of place with the rest of this film like there's one bit when like the um when like the kind of the nsa like meathead like kind of gun toting meatheads um is like complaining about the satellite only working if the people if the people look up yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, isn't that like really limited? Um, and like, and Jamie Kennedy says, I don't know, maybe you could invent a new one. And like, there's this really weird, like kind of, like kind of comic relief sections. Yeah. Um, but Why, Jack, uh, yeah, Jack Black, I, when he is describing the guy with the newsletter, he says that he uh, publishes on a variety of left-wing subjects. Interesting. Okay. Because Edward Lyle, who is a former NSA person who teams up with uh, Will Smith character, Bobby, to like, uh, take the bad guys down. Um, he says at like some point in the film that he was well, he was an NSA guy who was stationed in Iran uh, before the revolution. Yeah. And oh yeah, no, 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 no. He is definitely he is definitely a bad guy who has done some yeah. bad things. But like there's a, there's a scene in the cafe where he's just like he's not really clear about what he did in Iran, and crucially, like Will Smith, who again, like in the same vein as that film we watched with Sandra Bullock uh, a while ago, mm. just doesn't ask any questions about he any of this. Many questions. He's but just he's like, 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 yeah. It, but it, again, it's this is what I'm saying. It's about it's reflect it's reflective of this <laughs> of this kind of, of this sort of of this lack of of this lack of interest in <laughs> in like kind of what it means to live in the imperial court. I mean, like if he's like doing some work for the U.S. government in pre-revolution Iran, uh, that's that's some stuff. That's some yeah. That's some that is a matter now of uh, of public record that that is some really really uncomplicatedly evil stuff. And again. His interest is not in the rottenness of the institution. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like you're, you are not supposed to have the rottenness of the institution being reflected in the two main characters. His only interest is keeping himself safe and keeping himself off their radar because he has been debriefed and demobbed. And, you know, and there's a kind of, um, you know, that he says, like, oh, the agency forgot, forgot we existed, which is obviously something that happens to, um, to agents who... Um, who are involved in like embarrassing, like embarrassing fuck ups, which like make, which like yeah. make the US government make the CIA look bad. Um, and so they kind of put them on bone burn notice and they, you know, they no longer. Um, so, so, so that's a kind of pretense at kind of cutting out the rot. And that's a kind of pretense at following the bad apple argument. His only interest is protecting Rachel, who is, who is his kind of surrogate daughter, and mm. after she is killed, which again is Bobby's fault, Bobby gets her killed. Um, 
And I think that's not, I think that's something that's actually really, really good about, about this film, which is that he makes endless fucking mistakes. Yeah. Like, he does he like everything that he does is sort of a bit of a fuck up. And it's only towards the end when he manages to engineer this very like smart alien versus predator shootout in the restaurant that he actually seems to be thinking even a little bit. But I think it's like I think it's real I think it's realistic. Like it it wouldn't make sense if this ordinary this ordinary lawyer just because he's put in a pressurized situation suddenly starts like suddenly starts kind of thinking and behaving like an action hero that doesn't make any sense at all like it absolutely makes sense that he loses the head and panics and makes a phone call and tries to meet Rachel which then gets her killed but Gene Hackman is not interested in he's not interested in any of this he's not interested in making any kind of ideological or moral mm. critique of the government what he is interested in is keeping himself safe and he's interested in helping Bobby because he thinks that that is the way of like being good to the memory of his surrogate daughter. They are both heavily individualistic characters and they are not expressive of the films of the films like overall message and ethos. I don't think. Um, and I don't think they necessarily have to be. I don't think it makes no. any, I don't think it makes any particular sense that they would be because there is a character who is expressive of the films overall message and ethos and that is will smith's wife yeah well yeah again and i think and i think it is very much just like the will will smith the, the wife character um is kind of like uh her, so her name is carla i do want to use her actual name not the wife character i'm trying to be the better wife. as a person the Mrs. Wife, wife. No, carla carla is um you know she she has all the right politics and she kind of like was right from the start um, but like in the context of this film, like again, it does like she does sort of seem to exist as kind like as part of um, uh, as part of like Bobby's kind of uh, hero's journey, like for lack of a better term, like the hero's journey, right? Mm. Um, because like presumably at the end of this film, like you would kind of like and as you know, and as they sort of like do like the rolling credits and stuff, um, the implication is is that like Bobby is a changed man in the sense of like he's now aware of like, you know, the kind of, you know, he's aware of like, you know, the realities of the system and like, you know, he understands how naive he was at like the beginning. Um, although like this is I don't again, this is never confirmed. I think like one of the last sort of scenes you see is the newspaper um front page where like uh, it's shown that like Bobby is cleared of like all the charges and he like ends up reconciling with his wife. Um, but, you know, and like there's, there, there doesn't seem to be any sort of like overt um, sign that even, even, um, even Lyle, the, like the CIA agent, um, like they, they kind of realize that they're part of like a broader mission or they kind mm. of like feel like they need to kind of, you know, you would imagine like the thing, the thing when I, when I got to the end of this film, like one of the things I was sort of imagining was like, well, if you've just sort of like basically gone to war against the state and like somehow you've ended up winning or at least kind of like having, you know, not losing, um, that you would kind of see this as part of a broader calling, especially if you're like a lawyer who kind of works in human rights or like labor rights anyway, right? Um, not to say that like, you know, your kind of your sort of, you know, your life's work will be to uh, fight against the state, but at least like your kind of life trajectory should head that way. And there are no kind of implications or uh, any kind of like, uh, it, nothing implies that like these types of changes have been made. They both sort of seem to just like, be chilled at this point and i thought that was kind of 
weird like disorientating kind of i don't know but then like maybe i was expecting too much because again this is like a film that this is like a pre-9-11 film Mm. um and i wonder whether like you know i i have i'm I'm not like a movie buff by any means but like i wonder if films were different back then (laughs) i don't know I mean, um, yeah, I mean, they were, they were in a sense, but in terms still, of their ambition or like what they were trying to say and stuff, still right? really aren't any other films like this or certainly not that I can think of. Like if anyone can think of any, then, you know, please do, please do let us know. Uh, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I mean, like Edward's objection to the activities of the CIA is like, it's or the NSA rather is like it's explicitly personal. He doesn't think he's done anything particularly wrong. He um he objects to them cutting him loose and uh and kind of denying all knowledge of him after the fact. Like his his interest now is keeping himself keeping himself personally safe, and I think that that's that that's a kind mm. of run it sort of running thread throughout it. But I don't think that necessarily interferes with what I think the film as a whole is yeah is trying to say I mean like this is like this is the like this is the thing like when I was like when I was when I was watching it um I kept trying to interest uh interest my partner in in my thoughts on how you know this film predicts the patriot act and he's like mm-hmm, yes yes darling <laughs> <laughs> um, and is it in uh, the room with us right now is the patriot uh. act in the room with us right now all 300 pages of the patriot <laughs> act that just happened to be ready like two days later yeah um yeah. Uh yeah, and I I think that there's like I think maybe it's less that it predicted this very particular set of events and situations and more that it shone it shone a light on the capacities mm. in a way that I think is I think is more I think is more or less I think is more or less unique and I don't think has been done since because after September the 11th, any any kind of culture that has the CIA in it, there may be like bad guys, or the, or the NSA, or the FBI, there may be bad guys in the structure, but once they're weeded out, the structure is made stronger by their, yeah. by their absence. And I think I think that's... Personally, I think that's quite interesting. I, mm. as I said, I don't know if I, um, I don't know if I think that it was supposed to be a kind of laser critique necessarily. I mean, it yeah. is a, it is an action film. Like its pacing, I think, is really good. Um, like it's re- like it's like it's over two hours long, and you don't really feel it. I mean, like it's not at all like watching. I think you know this is actually what I think is the big difference. It's not like watching a Marvel film. That's what feels different about it. It's it's tightly plotted. It's tightly paced. Something happens every kind of few minutes. You deal with one scene. You move on to the next. There's not like the first hour of people whining and looking in mirrors and talking to each other and saying oh you know he's not been the same since ah, blah, 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 and then nothing happens until like 90 minutes <laughs> in and by which point you're like do i go to the bathroom now like i don't even like you're kind of trying to look on your phone to like yeah. like look on that I, site that tells you when you can go to the bathroom in extremely long boring films i actually went to the bathroom during that you know that avengers scene where they all like fight the bad guys um <laughs> did you i, I the, came, only, the only good bit in that whole film because like, there was so because again it was such a long film right 
So I was holding it and holding it. I was like, I can't hold it in anymore. And it was mm. like when, um, when the bad guy was like fighting like the free Avengers and stuff. And I was like, okay, it won't take very long. And I came back and all of a sudden, like all of it, like all the superheroes have showed up and like, you have people like kind of like clapping and like making noises. I'm like, Oh, a lot happened during like three minutes I was away. <laughs> Literally three minutes. Nothing uh, has happened for two hours. Exactly, and then I yeah, leave so, for three minutes and this oh, is what happens. Yeah. No, yeah. I, yeah. I think it's, so I think that there's that, that in terms of like, in terms of like filmmaking and in terms of like the aesthetic markers of what, of how we expect to consume an action film now, like definitely like watching it now, I am aware of how well its pacing works in a way that I never was at the time. Mm. And like, and I, I loved this film when it came out. I watched it again and again and again. I was like, I got a, I got a kind of weird kind of monomaniacal obsession with this, with this that's, film. That's so fast. That's so fascinating. It, yeah. I was like, I was like 12 years old or something. And I like, I, yeah. I, I saw it like several times in the cinema. I had it on, I had it on VHS. I watched it again and again and again. It's very, it's a very interesting film to be obsessed by when you're, when you're, when you're younger. I um, think, I, honestly, like this sounds ridiculous. I think it was a radicalizing film. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I can imagine so. I can imagine so. Um, I'm conscious that like we're running out of time. Yeah, we are running. We're running a little is, bit low. And there is a couple of things I wanted to add. Just like a, just some fun facts that I found yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, fun fact. Um, away. well, because you had mentioned you you've mentioned a few times that like uh this film is not necessarily predictive, but what it was very good at was like kind of anticipating the capacity of like the surveillance apparatus that uh we would eventually find out the NSA had all along. Plus. Um, and that actually partly might be due to the film coming out because what I found out was that, um, the origins of the prison program, which was the program that was revealed by, um, Edward Snowden back in 2013, um, was, uh, the foundations of it. What did actually come out of a, a guy, um, uh, just one guy. I would there was. It was like, it was like a whole unit that was sort of developed because one guy went to go see this film in 1999. Um, so Slate Magazine, uh, Slate Magazine kind of say, uh, say about this guy who's not named, um, by day he was an engineer at the Lawrence Livermore National, Li National Laboratory, a secretive government research facility an hour away from San Francisco. As such, he knew about enemy, he knew about the enemy of the state satellite was pure fantasy, but what if he we could be willed into existence? He wondered. The movie makes it resoundingly clear that it would be very bad for all of us if such a cruel device did in fact exist, but this must not have registered to him. As the credits rolled, he rushed home and left a breathless message with his supervisor. I have a great idea. Call me. So funny. <laughs> oh my God. That is so, that is like, that is so good. This kicked off a secret weapons program and uh, this kicked off a secret weapons development program, uh, a full account, which had never been in, uh, unt told until now. This was written, I think, in 2017, uh, which made real what enemy and state have only imagined. An airborne camera capable of watching city-sized areas, tracking thousands of vehicles and people simultaneously. It was known as Wide Area Motion Imagery, WAMI, uh, for short. It would just call it the all-seeing eye. Um, this technology was later used in, uh, particularly in Iraq and Afghanistan to track Taliban fighters, uh, and like, uh, kind of like, uh, 
uh, trucks and you know positions that they felt were enemies. And as we know, uh, based on at least what we found out about Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, a lot of those, a lot of innocent people died as a result of this technology. But what was later revealed by the Snowden files was that, was that this this technology was later incorporated into Prism, the the uh, the much more expansive surveillance program, which also factored in like fact. Uh, uh, elements of uh, internet communication as well, and that was revealed in 2013. Mm. Um, the Slate, uh, this, I won't go, like, I won't read like um, the rest of the Slate article, but the argument that it basically makes is that like this isn't the first time that like films that have been predictive about quite bad surveillance technologies um, have been either like willfully misinterpreted by people who mm. then later go on to make those technologies, or they are just kind of like the technologies themselves become so fast, like become so fascinating to Silicon Valley guys, weapons development guys, the intersection between those two, that they sort of build this technology and believe that like the predictive elements, the predictive like social elements of these won't actually come into fruition in real life because mm. people have already seen the film. So they'll already know that, oh, we shouldn't use yeah. it for like these, uh, these nefarious purposes. Oh, so that's anyway, that's great. Yeah, um, but, but this is exactly what we're saying. Like you can't say yeah. like a film predicts something because the people who watch films also are capable of like taking in what they see on films and using it to kind of pro sort of produce to produce ideas like you can't say like oh um this film predicted this, this technology it's like this film invented this technology and so someone watching it said oh i wonder if i actually can make this there yeah. was a there was an article in 2013 um just after the um nsa leaks uh, where um, some that uh, was published in the Guardian, where the uh, author argues that films like Enemy of the State soften people up for this kind of surveillance uh, because uh, it's a kind of paradoxical thing where by showing you the bad thing, um, they're kind of getting you kind of used to the idea uh, that the bad thing is going to happen to you. I don't honestly. I think this is a hugely unpersuasive and unconvincing argument, mm. and I think that the. Um, that the director of the NSA wouldn't have been so rattled by it if that had been even remotely the case. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's yeah, just just a, it's just a really, I just think it's a really interesting, uh, it's a really interesting time capsule of a film, both kind of politically and culturally. Mm. And just when you think about the fact that yeah, it was released as it was released as yeah, absolutely supposed to be a kind of big big kind of blockbuster like kind of big blockbuster action film um and like in its opening weekend it was like second in the box office behind the rugrats movie so like if you think of it in that context it becomes like kind of faintly surreal and ridiculous but i think mm. it's i think it's got uh, i think it's got a lot to say uh i think it had a lot to say then and i think it has even more to say with the kind of knowledge of the kind of intervening 25 years now I think every I think everyone should see Enemy of the State and get a bit weird about it. I think that's what yeah. that's that's my recommendation. I have one horrible more little horrible fact before we close out, which is sure. to do with Whammy as well. Um and the and the and the horrors that Whammy uh produced uh in the culture, which is uh another fact that I found, uh, which was that Whammy's uh Whammy's then head of global technical standards, at least at 2016, his name is Rahul Fucker. Um, he uh, celebrated engineer who moved into the movie industry. Um, uh, he was, uh, from what I understand, Rahul was like part of uh, developing like motion capture for Whammy. So like basically like all the mi like micro minuscule movements. 
um, of like just people and like like moving ob- multiple moving objects that were then rendered into real time. Like he was kind of like leading the engineering project for that. When he moved into movies, uh, one of the first movies he worked on, which incorporated this technology, was da 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 Shrek. Um, <laughs> so there you go. If you say that like surveillance technology is bad. Um, think about the uh, offshoots that it gives us, which is uh, <laughs> lovable, uh, memeable films about um, uh, misunderstood ogres. I've never actually seen Shrek before, so like, don't be mad at me if like I got that wrong. Um, the f- you've never seen Shrek? What the fuck is wrong with you, brother? All right, stay there. I'm coming over. I'm on my. I'm gonna go get. Go on, right. Yeah, so that was Enemy of the State. Uh, Have you never seen Shrek? How is I've that never possible? Seen Shrek. I've never seen Shrek. I've never seen Shrek. Um, I understand it only through memes. Why would I watch Shrek? When it came out, I was like a teenager. Like, it was it's a kid. Good. I'm sure it was a good film, and I'm sure I would enjoy it. I'm looking for when, when my nephew, like, inevitably ends up watching it, I will probably watch it with him. But, like, I was not the target market when it came out, and I still am not the target market for Shrek now. Um, <laughs> you're a you're a 31 year old man who spends a lot of time on Twitter. You are squarely the target market. Yeah, for Shrek okay, now. fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. All right, fair enough. Okay, I'm gonna watch Shrek after this. Uh, that was Enemy of the State. Um, yeah, it was a good film. I enjoyed it. Uh, I would say I'm gonna watch it again, and I would definitely say watch it if you are interested in movies that like number one feature Will Smith being a very good actor and also movies about how surveillance was conceived and conceptualized back in the nineties when, uh, they definitely, they definitely understood the dangers of it at mass scale, but did not necessarily, uh, predict how it would just be part of everyday living in civil society. Um, take interpret that as you will. Um, uh, so thank you for listening to this episode of 10,000 Posts. Uh, as uh, mentioned at the top, we do have a Patreon. Uh, that Patreon link is in the show notes, five bucks a month. You get a lot of cool uh, new stuff. Um, you can follow me at HKazani if you don't already. Phoebe, do you want to do your plugs? Um, you can request to follow my Twitter at PRHRoy. Um, I'm afraid that I will reject it if um, if you request from a private account. It's nothing personal. It is a... Uh, for security reasons which i appreciate sounds extremely uh self-regarding but uh there is a backstory which is frankly none of your business but uh yeah so you can you can find me there if you want my posts about walruses um <laughs> you can find me on instagram which is uh much less uh much less closely guarded at uh, phoebe underscore rose underscore holly and uh, you can listen to me and Milo Edwards' Seinfeld podcast, Masters of Our Domain, which you can find on Twitter at Masters of Pod, um, where we post episodes and other stuff. Cool. Uh, the show is produced by Devin. You can follow them at Devin underscore on Earth. You can also listen to Kill James Bond, the uh, really good podcast that they do with Abigail Thorne and Alice Caldwell Kelly. Uh, and also it's produced by Nate. I keep forgetting, but it is produced by Nate. But yes, it is produced by Nate. Hey. I'm not sure they need to know that. Um, well, okay. Uh, Devin, yeah, cover out, add that in, whatever you want. No, whatever you want to do. Keep it in. It's good for them to see how the sausage is made. Uh, I would kiss Nate on the lips every day of my life if I got the chance. So uh, it's staying in. There is, <laughs> there is an episode of Kill James Bond about Enemy of the State. Yes, there so, is. I uh, forgot. If yeah. You, so, if you found, so you can listen to both episodes and, uh, and uh, you know, compare and contrast and <laughs> never 
ever communicate with us the results of your comparison because yeah, they're our that, friends do and that we in care. your private notebooks or <laughs> your, your group chats or whatever yeah. um okay and on that note we'll uh catch you on the next one have a good one bye bye